So we are starting our series, uh, I guess the formal part of our series, Faithful Presence. The whole premise of this series is, what does it look like for us as disciples of Jesus to discern the presence of God amongst us here within our church family, when we're back at home and in our different spheres of influence and out in the world? What does it actually mean for us To understand that our God is present. What does it mean for us to not just understand that, but for us to embrace that reality, let that reality shape everything that we're about. We're tracking along um, with that book by the title, Faithful Presence. And the first topic, reconciliation. This is going to be a helping each other moment. Um, I feel that is apt for the topic. Uh, plus, this topic makes me nervous. Um, I don't know what happens for you, and this is an actual question, not rhetoric. Um, what comes to mind for you when you hear the word reconciliation? Now, it might be a, um, a word, an emotion, a story, as I'm. I'd just love to get the temperature in the room. What, what comes to mind when you hear the word reconciliation? Go. Shame. Yeah. Other things? Hope. Hope. Big time. It's, um, shall we settle on the word complex? Our relationship with what it means to be um, people who experience reconciliation, people who move towards facilitating reconciliation, is very complex for lots and lots of different reasons. And I want to unpack some of those reasons a little bit later on. But I think something that we can all agree upon in this particular context is that it's the heart of God's story. You see, reconciliation is tracked from Genesis right through to Revelation, right through to this hall that we're in this afternoon. It's God's story. And I just want to take a little bit of moment to run through that story any opportunity that I get to speak this story, to hear this story, to let it wash over me, to just try and get it to seep into the little crevices in my life, I want to be about that. Because uh, for me, um, and perhaps for some of us here as well, it's easy to forget this story. It's easy to forget that we're swept up into something bigger than ourselves. And this is part of the reason why we gather. We remind each other of God's wonderful story. And God's story of reconciliation is a story where God's initiative is to see humanity reconciled to God, humanity reconciled to each other, and humanity reconciled to creation. I trust this will be familiar, but let it just wash over you again. And it starts in Genesis where we get this picture of what it can look like to be in right relationship. We see humanity with God, with each other, in creation, 
enjoying each other. The rest of the story goes on to unpack all the different ways in which that picture has become fractured. That story of humanity, rather than deciding to submit to God's kingship, to the way God has designed life, instead we build our own kingdoms. We don't submit to God, we don't submit to each other. We build our own story. That persists for like a really long time. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God inviting humanity back into right relationship. We see God um, imparting the law onto the people in order to show the people what this right relationship could and should look like. And we see a very long history of humanity demonstrating that we are unable to get there in our own efforts. And then we hit the Gospels. After this time that we've demonstrated that we cannot, by our own initiative, muster up this um, justification, this writing of relationship, God literally steps into the picture. The kingdom literally draws near to us. And God lives a life amongst us that shows us what this right relationship looks like. Jesus gathers disciples to impart upon them, this is what it looks like to live in right relationship. And this Jesus lays down his life And conquers death so that we might be swept up into this story of reconciliation. I am, I mean, I could put lots of um, potential books there, but the book of Romans, if you've not had the opportunity to sit down and read that back to front for a little while, um, I'm going to hazard a guess that perhaps that hasn't happened for a little while. See if over the next week you can carve out 40 minutes just to read it back to front because it is this beautiful um, kind of freight train of Paul's um, thinking around what it looks like for God to have reconciled humanity to God's self. It's this beautiful picture which is painted of where we were once slaves to sin. By Jesus, we are now slaves to righteousness. Where we were once disconnected from God, we are now reconciled to God. And we can approach God saying, Abba, Father. The reconciliation is there in Jesus. And we are called a new creation. We are swept up into the story. I mean, that's a lot of what Colossians is about. You died, but you have now been raised again to new life in Christ, where your life is hidden in God. And then from that perspective, Paul goes on to talk about a whole bunch of therefores. Therefore, now that your life is this way, this is what it looks like to live your life following the King Jesus. This is what it looks like to live the story of reconciliation. 
We had a cracking little series with our good friend Jed, who took us through a couple of elements of the book of Acts. And what you see in Acts is reconciliation bursting onto the scene, sweeping others into this experience, which is just blowing the box apart of not only um, the Jewish um, disciples, but also the Gentiles. Because you see, as reconciliation bursts onto the scene in the name of Jesus, there is no longer a distinction between slave and free. There's no longer a distinction between men and women, young and old. All can approach our Father as sons and daughters. It's the great equaliser. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that we are together equal, that we are together submitting ourselves to our King Jesus, that we together recognise that he is here. And as I said before, it's pretty much the whole, you open up the Bible, um, you're going to get this thread, and it's a big deal. We're called into partnership with God. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. It says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the, me- uh, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The flow of 2 Corinthians up into this point is... Um, when you read Paul, he really gets on a roll and he takes you on this journey with him. And he's been talking to them about the fact that we are the forgiven people. And as the people who have received forgiveness, we are now the people who partner with God in extending forgiveness. We are the people who are consoled by God. We are now the people who go and console others. And in the same way, we are the people who have been reconciled to God. And as such, we now have a ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ with a ministry of reconciliation. I'm not going to unpack this part too much, but um, what Linda was talking about um, before was we perceive God's presence and this this partnership with God across all the different facets of our lives here in the church. The scriptures have a a fair bit to say about what it actually looks like for us to be a body who embrace reconciliation. And it's very confronting and challenging and countercultural, but it's a beautiful picture what it looks like in our life context when we leave here, when we go back to our families. And what it looks like to be peacemakers in the world. Throughout the week, we'll um, 
attack this from a different angle and put out a bit more thinking around this. But it's all encompassing. So, everything I've said up until now, I'm pretty sure all of you would have been able to deliver that. We know the story. We love the story. But it's this partnership piece. This is the tricky bit. What does it look like for us to be ambassadors of Christ with a ministry of reconciliation? Now, I don't know about you, but there are, for lots of different reasons, some of them feel very, very valid, and some of them I'm sure are not, but there are blockers to embracing reconciliation that have become apparent in my life in different ways over time. There are these things that, um, I guess, disrupt this stepping forward and embracing reconciliation. And if we can have a um, mutually vulnerable moment, I'd love to throw this question out. Uh, You might not love to answer it, but I'll give it 30 seconds. We'll see how we go. But what are some of the blockers to reconciliation that you may have either noticed within your own life or you may have discerned um, just observing people out in the wild? Pride. Big time. You reckon they'll get out? (laughs) (laughs) Any other things that you've noticed along the way that become blockers to reconciliation? Fear. Fear. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Misunderstandings. Ego. Oh yeah. Ignorance. Yeah. Perseverance. That is a big one as well. Some crimes feel unforgivable mm. in this world, and I don't know how to. Like God says, reconcile, forgive everyone, and some crimes feel like they're bigger than that, and that's not very gospel. Headed, so I don't know what you call that conflict, but you feel like, nah, reconciliation with everyone, not pedophiles, mm. something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think on that as well, there are some times where you feel like it's more desirable to stay unreconciled than have to pay the cost of being reconciled. Mm. There's also the complexity around. What does reconciliation actually mean across context? Because we want, I want a quick fix, I want the answer. What does reconciliation look like? It looks like this, great, now apply it here, 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 and here. And that is just not how it works. And you have complex scenarios where reconciliation doesn't necessarily mean going back to the way things were, particularly in moments of um, abuse. Very complex. But I notice for me, in the everyday journey, just even getting past the, but I think I'm right. And I think that you think that you're right, but you're wrong. 
But that's pride. That's just that's the pride, arrogance, ego thing. Big time. But it's not prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Laying down ourselves in order to embrace reconciliation. trying to reconcile with you, you just don't want to reconcile with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does it? Does it? I don't I don't know about that. I don't I don't know. Happy to reconcile on my own terms. Yeah. Mm, when you finally admit all the wrong you've done. So we say, oh yes, I accept we reconcile the word that's actually there's this um now I should have looked it up before standing up here. There's a helpful uh, scripture which speaks to live in peace with all people as, as far as, essentially as far as you can help it, as much as it depends on you. And we know that sometimes we can only come so far. However, in the midst of all of that stuff, we have been swept up into a story and we follow a king who reconciles and asks us to take that ministry upon ourselves as we follow him. So how do we overcome the blockers? And I am so open to, like, please fill in the blanks here. I've got a, a couple of thoughts um, that I'd love to throw out there. But this, can I suggest is an ongoing conversation that I'd love to just lob right out here in the middle of the community. And over time, we work it out as we sort of stumble our way, just figuring out what this all needs to look like. But I think it at least looks like embracing the story. You see, it can, there's this version of faith out there, which um, is problematic. It's this one-way transactional understanding. I've received forgiveness and, well, that's that. That's good. Whereas actually what the scriptures talk to us about is that as we give our lives to Jesus, we have died to ourselves. We have been raised to new life in him. And now we follow him. We partner with him as God does God things in the world. And we seek to discern what that looks like for us personally, for us together, out in our families, out in our workplace. And if we do not embrace the story, if that is not the grid through which we are viewing this stuff, then I mean, why would you even wrestle with this? It's too hard. Other people are too hard. I love other people. And I'm happy to say, other people are hard. Relationships are hard. However, this is the space that God is in. Bringing new life 
to relationships. With us in God, with us in each other. And we need to start by embracing the story and recognizing we are swept up into this story. It is so much Philippians 2. Where Christ, who though in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, yet humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, laying down his life so that we might know life. It's this laying down of our pride. Laying down of all these things that we brought up, our ego, our just knowing that we're right. And instead discerning what does it look like for us to submit ourselves to others with a posture of serving. Again, I want to reiterate, this does not mean talking about, so how do we become doormats and let people walk all over us? It's, it's not anything to do with assertiveness. It's a lot to do with servanthood. Let our attitude be the same as Jesus Christ. It's having this posture of submission here in this church context submitting to each other learning what it looks like to say Matt there's grievance between you and I there's not actually but say there were I don't know anyone who'd have grievance here no but what does it look like for us to come before one another to say recognise that there is this thing on the table in between us And what we together want to do is submit it to Christ and find the way forward here. To discover from each other, mate, help me see what I'm not seeing. Help me see how I can serve you in this space. Help me see where I need forgiveness. And would you allow me to help you see the same? And together we submit it to Christ. It's a beautiful picture, but it's hard. We want to foster this culture and this posture of servanthood and submission. This next bit, I thought, I'm like, do I put it? It sounds very catchphrasy, because I guess it kind of is. But we're not going to accidentally become people of reconciliation. We're not just going to accidentally walk into a scenario and just go, oh, I just, um, I accidentally. Uh, participated in this moment of reconciliation and I just happened to pop out. That doesn't happen. What does happen, though, is together we hear the word of our King Jesus and we say, okay, I want to figure that out with you, God. And so I want to make a choice today with you to learn more of this about you and to be, and be directed by you. And then there's all of that internal stuff that we've collected along the way. And we've all got it. We've all got our own versions of the barriers that have come up over time. 
And this can be hard. But a question I have for us tonight is with the stuff that you have, and I'm not meaning to project and say that everybody is just burdened by stuff. I'm just presuming that you've lived a life and there's stuff to lay down. What does it look like for you to invite God in again? To lay down the stuff that seems impossible. God, I do not see a way forward here. With my own eyes, I don't, I don't, I don't know how there could be redemption here, reconciliation here. What does it look like for you to invite him in again? For the parts of our hearts that have become hard over time. What does it look like for us to sit before him and say, God, would you soften my heart again? What does it look like for us to pray that the kingdom would break through? That God would have his way amongst us. That his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that that would happen in my mind, in my heart, in my relationships.